So interesting thing here is that we're all in very different time zones, right? So I know that in Korea, it's like 8 p.m. right now. Oh, Thursday, right? Thursday night. No, Still? Oh, it's Friday. Oh, yeah, that's right. It is Friday. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going on. And then uh, <laughs> Sergeant Thomas, you're in Germany. Yep. It's uh, noon over there, Friday, right? There is. So this is, uh, you know, setting it up was a little challenging just because of, you know, because of all that. It's six in the morning over here now. Yikes. So, you know, what we do, we do what we do. This is, you know, this is the Air Force. This is how we connect with one another because um, we're all over the world. Um, but tell me what's going on uh, on your side. Are you guys busy? Always. Always busy at Ramstein. Um <laughs> <laughs> Number two, uh, busiest ADC in the Air Force, definitely the busiest in Europe. Um, yeah, we always got something going on. Um, the uh, the legal ops is doing a discharge board right now. Um, the, the ADC out of Spangdalem is down here. Um, so they're wrapping that up today, I think. And then we got a couple of courts on the horizon probably 15 article 15 clients you know just another friday afternoon that's right and you guys only have two defense paralegals right correct yeah we're a two and two office um so it's me and uh master sergeant bradford who i think you know sir right. and uh and then our two attorneys um captain riley widener and captain chelsea purdue um We'll be there. Captain Weiner will be there for another year and a half. Uh, Captain who's getting ready to PCS out in the summer. So we'll flex and and do what we can. That's right. Yeah, no. So I asked because, so I was a defense paralegal at Lackland. And we had three. We had three defense yeah. paralegals um, and three attorneys. So I always yep. thought, why, I mean, if another office needed three defense paralegals, it'd be, it'd be Ramstein, I would think yeah we're uh we're, we're trying to fight that fight um, and get some more bodies over here but you know we'll see when the manpower study comes out that's right and i was so and who i worked with at the, as a defense paralegal at lackland those years ago was senior master sergeant crowell who's the superintendent there at Ramstein. oh yeah nice yeah it, uh, it always takes me back how how small the jack Corps is that's right um, Sergeant Bradford seems to know everybody. He, you know, he used to work with Colonel Vernon. He, he used to work with Chief Reed. He used to work with Chief Oliver. Yeah, he's just he's got an in, you know, yeah. at every level. Um, no, Sergeant yeah, Bradford. I think I told you, but we were in basic training together. We, yeah, you know, we were in the same flight. Um, obviously, he became a paralegal off the bat, and I, I went to public affairs first. But, mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, that's just that's crazy, right? That, it's nuts. You know, it same basic nice. training flight and uh, end up in the same career field. But yeah. Um, and Sergeant Brem, how are things over there in Osan? Um, we were very busy when I first came here, and then COVID hit, and we seem to have lost all of our courts, except for one. Uh, we just distributed them out to where the victims were at, to mm -hmm. and all the witnesses. Um, but 
now we're starting to pick up again and it's getting pretty busy. Gotcha. Um, and then Osan. So I don't think I've been to, I haven't been to Osan. I've been to Kunsan. I went to Kunsan for, a, I went to teach an ALS class over there. Okay. Um, did you go to ALS in Korea? No, I went at Whiteman. Oh, you did? Okay. Oh, so you have to go before, once you got your assignment to Korea? Yes. Um, so I actually had to push my uh, report no later than back because Whiteman had a policy where I had to go to AOS if I was going to Korea. They wouldn't give me a waiver. So um, I pushed my report no later than back a month. Gotcha. And it's interesting they still have that policy. Most bases do. I'm not sure if every base, but I know most bases do. But they still have an ALS, you know, school in Osan and uh, travel to Kunsan maybe too. But um, All right. So how do you like it over there? It's not bad. Um, I didn't get to adventure as much as I wanted to because of COVID. I got here. So COVID hit here sooner than it hit back in America. Mm. Uh, so I came here straight into a SAB. Mm. And then about a month later, COVID hit. So mm. I haven't got to adventure as much as I wanted to. Right. Yeah, no, that's true. That's, yeah. That's rough. I know, yeah, off the bat. I remember Korea was dealing with that, what, February? January, February? Uh, about February, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I was at Kadena. Oh, were we? yeah, go ahead. I was, I was going to say, I was at PCC um, at Maxwell when it, you know, started kicking off and, you know, trying to get back to Europe um, to just, just to go back to work was a nightmare. The, the JAG school was worried I was going to have to, like, stay and, and get, like, some kind of adjunct assignment position there to, to you know, be working and not be just eating up my leave. Um, you know, we, we finally got the ETP up through uh, um, DJ, uh, and I was able to get out of there, thankfully. But then, yeah, you know, it's it's the same over here. Everything shut down, um, especially now with the new spike happening. You know, mm. borders are closed. You can't run around. It's uh, kind of defeats the point of being in Europe. You know? No, no, absolutely. Which is the benefit <laughs> that I have by being at Whiteman. I'm not. I don't know how much. <laughs> <laughs> perfect place to endure a pandemic absolutely um, <laughs> i mean i'm kidding mostly because kansas city is you know is an hour away and st louis about three hours away but the in the immediate you know vicinity uh, i'm good but but no but right i was in japan so i was in kadena when it in february i flew out in march I was supposed to fly out through, um, I was supposed to fly out through Korea, but then the airlines were like, no, we're canceling all the flights that are going through Korea. So they had to divert me. Um, they weren't flying through there at all. <clears throat> Cause I, you know, at the time Korea was like, you know, the place where you didn't want to go yeah. because of COVID. And then it turned out that it, it, you know, it wasn't, it was probably one of the, the quickest places to re cover so to speak um you know in the end just because of that response was was really good mm -hmm. so uh so what brought us all together really was on an, an article that sergeant thomas wrote 
And then where was that article posted initially? Initially, it was on the uh, paralegal inspiration team page. Um, I was originally, uh, I was um, reached out to by um, Sarm Montero, one of the DPs in the Eastern Circuit, Texar Montero. And uh, you know, she was reaching out for, for articles for um, a circuit-wide um, magazine or, or pamphlet or some literature that she was distributing through the circuit looking for ideas for articles. And so I had just done um, that discharge board and, uh, you know, it's like, Hey, does this sound like something, you know, that you would want in your, you know, you want an article for it. Say, Absolutely. Yeah. Draft it up, send it to me. So I did. Um, and then I, uh, I had one of the, the master sergeants at the legal office, master star was telling me, yeah, man, you gotta get that. You gotta get that out there. You gotta, you know, get people to see that because that's, you know, important, you know, having paralegals, you know, you know, being more than just like print monkeys and gophers, you know, I mean, it's, we're, we're, we're able to do more. And when we do, we should, you know, really get that out there. So I put it on the, uh, the pit page and then I put it on the, uh, defense paralegal page that we got for, um, JJD. Um, and yeah, everybody was, you know, like, wow, that's so cool. Like, that's awesome. Good for you. Good job. The, you know, was, you know, the, the appreciation was there. The, the outreach was there. Um, and we had, um, the, the legal office paralegal, the, uh, the, the case paralegal, um, was a tech sergeant. She was sitting in the back and after the board, you know, ended and everybody went home, she was like, yo, sorry, Thomas, I was sitting in the back and I was watching you do opening and I wanted to jump and be like, yeah, but like we're on the record. So I didn't. So now, yeah, <laughs> it was really cool. Um, and I guess that the, the NCOs and the airmen over there are, are like chomping at the bit to get involved um, like that. Now they want to have that opportunity now that they've, you know, seen it done. And I don't think that it's unheard of um, in the JAG Corps, but it, it's certainly been, many moons since it happened at a Ramstein. Right. No, absolutely. I don't think I've seen it personally, but, um, you know, the opportunity was definitely always there um, mm -hmm. to do the, to sit second chair and to do, be assistant recorder, or assistant respondent. Um, so, right. So I saw the article posted on Pitt and I was like, this is really cool. So I still intend to add it to the uh, paralegal journal but I was like, we have to do a paralegal podcast on this. But then I wanted the two perspectives, right? So I wanted the, I wanted the defense perspective and the government perspective on, um, on sitting second chair. And so that was where I had to, okay, so who's done, you know, a discharge board on the government side, you know, as the assistant recorder. And then I, I reached out to the losses here at uh, Global Strike. Mm -hmm. And Master, Master Sergeant Swift mentioned uh, Sergeant Brim uh, that you had been doing uh, discharge boards and have been sitting uh, second chair up at Osan. So that's when we reached out to um, to Sergeant Brim, and and then we were able to, you know, now we can get both perspectives. But before we talk about you know our our duties and responsibilities and what the experience was like, 
um, in that position. I just want to take a second so that you guys can go ahead and introduce yourself. Okay, so uh, <laughs> uh, I'm Sergeant Jake Thomas. Uh, I am one of the defense paralegals at Ramstein Air Base. Um, been in the JAG Corps for three and a half years. Um, originally came in as a Korean linguist. Um, did that gig for a while um, until uh, I couldn't pass the language test, so they didn't want to pay me. Um, Needed to get a new career field, and paralegal was hiring. Um, and so I made the jump over to the base office um, at Offit. Um, kicked around there, um, adverse actions, claims, and then finally the military justice. Um, and then I uh, was there for, I was in military justice for almost a year when Ramstein came up on AMS. Um, then I, you know, I'd wanted to go to Europe since I knew what Europe was. So I just clicked the button. Um, didn't think I would, I would get the spot, but you know, the stars aligned and, uh, and here I am. That's awesome. Yeah. Did you know, uh, Sergeant Venegas? I do know Sergeant Venegas. I knew him back when he was senior Airman Venegas. Um, that guy is the hardest charger, um, <laughs> that I've, I've ever met and he just he wins everything it's so frustrating um <laughs> so. like i'm proud of him and i'm i'm happy for him but like man it was it was, uh, it was btz um made staff the first time got um the levito at als picked up the uh the annual for the jag court like man you're killing me it's very impressive that's <laughs> right yeah, um, and did you know uh, Sergeant Herrick at Offutt? I did not know Sergeant Herrick. He left um, shortly before I got there. I heard plenty of stories, but I never, I never got to meet the guy himself. Yeah, I know he's out to do um, <laughs> some cooler, cool things uh, as a as an operational airman. Yeah. Um, all right, yeah, so often, yeah, definitely knew some people there. Where, where, where are you from again? Where do you say you were from? Originally, uh, originally I'm from the Northeast Ohio area, Cleveland, Akron. Yeah. All right, awesome. Well, good. And I know Sergeant Brim has won, has won you know, he's someone who wins quite a few things as well. Um, <laughs> would you just go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm Staff Sergeant Lindsey Brim. Um, joined the Air Force in about 2016 and I was a pipeliner. Um, so I've been in for a little over four years. Um, my first assignment was Whiteman Air Force Base. I was there for about three years and then came out here to Osan. Um, I'm the NCYC of Adverse Actions here and I'm going to show next. <laughs> I don't really know what else to say. <laughs> um. So white men, I know we know a lot of the same individuals, um, yes. just because I, you know, I came over, um, what is it, so we worked with Herman Griffin, Sergeant Miller, uh, I'm not sure if you met Sergeant Hall and Sergeant Matson. Yes, they both came in about a month before I left. Okay. So right. enough to be like, hi, I'm leaving. That's right. Right, right, right. 
Um, all right. So how did this come about with the discharge board, right? Like how was it a volunteer thing? Did someone tell you, Hey, it's highly encouraged or was it, Hey, you're going to do it. How, how did it all happen? So mine, um, it was a case that they've had for a while, um, that they were tracking. It was a court martial that ended up not going to court. Um, but he also got an article 15 for drugs and um, what they were going to court martial him for, um, sexual assault. And the reg, it says that if a commander believes that sexual assault has happened, that a, a discharge is mandatory. Um, so he went to the discharge board and um, yeah, we were just in our justice meeting and the um, deputy was jokingly like, oh, hey, Sergeant Brown, do you want to do it? And everybody kept trying to convince me to do it. But um, her knowing that I wanted to be an attorney kind of talked to me a little bit afterwards and said that it would be a really good opportunity, a good chance to start, um, see what it's like to be an attorney. So I said, okay. And that was about a week and a half before the actual district board. <laughs> so I had very little time to prep. Yep. Um, leaned on the attorney a lot, but she's absolutely amazing. And um, yeah, just, I don't want to say I won it, but I kind of won it. Like I had no idea what I was doing. It's <laughs> a little bit of everything. Um, I did the opening and one of the crosses and one of the directs. So that was kind of cool. And I managed to get objected to every single time I stood up. So that was, that was fun too. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's awesome. I wonder what, what happens when you get objected to? Like you look to the attorney like, hey, uh, can you argue back with something? <laughs> I was freaking out and luckily the legal advisor knew that it was my first time so he kind of like walked me through it but also gave me enough time to go back and talk to the attorney and be like hey what do I say what do I do I don't know how to argue these things <laughs> she helped a lot nice. yeah that's awesome. Yeah, I can't imagine like, you know, I'm going in and it's like object. I'm like, what are you doing? Don't object to that. Like, what am I saying? <laughs> awesome. And how about you, Sergeant Thomas? How did that come about? Uh Captain Purdue and I were were prepping for the case and going through the evidence and, and, and looking at all of it. It was a discharge for drugs. Um a then staff sergeant. Um smoked weed downtown, um, popped hot, and then when OSI brought him in, he confessed, right? So um, Article 15, discharge got started, um, and we're looking at it, he's just like a really good airman, just like very solid, great performer, um, new father, separated from his kid, um, and it was just, he was under a lot of stress, and you know, he, uh, he wanted to see if, you know, this would help with his stress levels. Right. Um, you know, obviously not allowed, but that's why he did what he did. And we're going through it. And, and 
similarly to Simon Brown, you know, I've, I've talked about maybe going to law school and, and trying my hand at that. And so Captain Purdue was like, you should sit in with me. I said, yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Sure. Okay. So about this evidence. Um, and she wouldn't like let it drop. She's like, you should do it. You should do it. You know what? You're doing it. You're doing it. I'm going to call the CCDC. You're going to do it. I said, ah, okay. Let me get my blues ready. Um, and yeah, and, and, and it was similarly, you know, like a week and a half, maybe two weeks before the board, um, we were doing the witness interviews. Um, and she's like, you're going to do opening. And I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> um, but I did, I sure, I sure was going to do opening. Um, and you know, she, she kind of helped me put together a, uh, an outline and I, you know, I wrote the opening and, um, she also had me do direct for our witnesses. Um, I got, I, I lucked out and, you know, nobody stood up and objected to me. Um, cause I don't, I, you know, we, we prepped a little bit for it. Like these are the potential objections and this is all you have to say. Cool. I'll definitely remember that. Not. Um, so, so I lucked out and didn't have to, you know, fumble through like a, well, legal advisor, ma'am. Uh, yeah. Um, so it all went well, you know, they, they got up and did their opening and then, you know, respondents counsel can, can make a statement. Oh, that's me. Oh God. Um, you know, see so you get up there and you, you walk to the podium and, you know, you're, your heart's beating a thousand times a minute and you can't, like, think. You can barely force your feet, you know, to move. And I got up there and I, you know, I looked at the members, took a deep breath, and everything just worked. You know, it all clicked. It just they started going and they were paying attention. They were taking notes. They looked like they, they were feeling what I was saying. Um, it was really cool. You know, and you walk back to the respondents table on like jelly legs, trying not to fall over. Um, and yeah, it was, it was cool. It, it was, it was weird because like, I thought I did a good job, but like nobody did anything. Right. You know, there's no like, Hey, good job. Atta boy, whatever. Cause you know, you're on the record. Um, so it was like a weird experience to go do this like thing I've been stressing about and worrying about and you know, sweating over and then it's done, and then it's just okay. We're gonna keep rolling. Um, it was interesting. It was it was very kind of surreal. <laughs> yeah, no, I I definitely I can't imagine. And, and right, you mentioned members because in a discharge board, right, you got to have the members, and and that adds, mm -hmm. you know, maybe a judge alone case. If 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 we could do one of those, <laughs> it'd be a little right, bit, yeah. But <laughs> discharge boards. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's definitely, you know, members in the whole shabam. So, mm -hmm. um, so what did the preparation entail leading up to, you know, you know, to the discharge board and performing your duties as a as co-chair? Co um, it was a lot like a court-martial. It was a little weird, though, because I'm used to sitting there with my laptop, taking word-for-word -word notes, trying to... Um, prepare as a paralegal rather than an attorney. Um, I mean, I'm not an attorney, but rather than preparing the way that they prepare. Um, and you just see a little bit of a different side of it 
you know, when you're at your desk, usually doing DTS and all of this other stuff that you have to do to make sure that a court martial actually happens. Um, instead of doing that, you're actually in with the attorneys thinking of a trial plan, quote unquote. Um, so that was a little bit of a different experience. Mm, nice. How about you, Sergeant Thomas? What was, what yeah, was the preparation like? It, it's it's very it, it's a look at another world really um, yeah I, I put it in the article but you know we've all sat in the courtroom watching the lawyers do the dance and you know we're like really that's your response that that to that objection that's what you're gonna say where'd you get your law degree University of Phoenix you know we just talk all kinds of crap um, but like actually prepping for this stuff it's it's completely different you know we're, we're worried about the minutiae the paperwork the the behind the scenes stuff that you know that, that nobody sees because it's not you know sexy right you get up to prep to do the dance and you, you i mean you got to know your, you got to know your case law you got to know your argument you got to know your theme and your theory you gotta you know have you know responses to objections in your pocket ready to go it's like 15 different things that you're trying to do at once. Um, and it was, it was eye-opening for sure. For sure. Um, you know, I've seen, I've seen good openings, bad openings, good closings, bad closings, you know, all kinds of direct and cross. And you just kind of take it in stride watching it. Um, just like, yeah, that's, that's what that is. Okay, next, move along. Um, but when you're up there doing it and having like that direct interaction with the witness or the members, the legal advisor, I, I felt like I was at, you know, my middle school talent show all over again. And I was getting ready to do um, Indian Outlaw by Tim McGraw. And my cowboy hat on, my boots, nervous as hell. <laughs> nervous. That's right. Yeah. So that experience in court, right? I mean, try to describe it. I, I know we've described it a little bit that it was a little bit nerve wracking, right? You're trying to get to the podium and, you know, definitely shocking whenever they say, all right, respondent, you know, make your argument or yeah, you have to come up and do um, whether it's direct or cross-examination. Cross but what was it like for you in court? How now looking back at it, how do you think that you handled, you know, the opening and, and, and the cross-examination, the, the, direct and cross-examination? Um, looking back, I should not have been as nervous as I was. Absolutely. Because um, now, thinking about it, like, the entire time you're up there, you're just like, oh my goodness, I don't want to mess up. I don't want to mess up. I don't want to mess up. But the only other person in that room that knows everything that is about to come out of your mouth is your counsel. Um, so you're sitting there talking to these members and you could say pretty much anything that you wanted to say, and they would think that that's how it was supposed to go. Um, and I mean, I was even shocked that I was as nervous as I was because when I do like public speaking, I'm usually not that nervous. Um, and all throughout high school, I was like in the musicals and stuff like that and so I didn't think it was going to be anything too different than that but then when you're actually standing there and you realize that you have potentially somebody's life 
slash career in your hands, it is kind of a sucker punch to the face. <laughs> like, and that's when the nervousness kicks in. And yeah, like certain Thomas was saying, I was up there shaking like a leaf. Like if that podium wasn't there, I would have been on the ground <laughs> trying to give my opening. Like, oh my goodness. Um, and then, yeah, when you get objected to, it's kind of another like, you're freaking out. Oh my goodness, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Uh, I don't want to say the wrong thing and look like an idiot in front of all of these people. But um, again, looking back, those members had no idea what was going on. I should not have been as nervous as I was. And of course, the attorneys know how nerve wracking it is because they've been there once before too. Right. No, absolutely. Yeah, that's good. <clears throat> that's good feedback. Sorry, Thomas, how was it for you? It, you know, it's, the, it's the same at the respondents' council table. You know, you're, mm. you, you get up and, you know, like I said, you're nervous as hell um, and you're, you're going to screw it up. And, and like Sarn Brum said, you know, this, this kid's life's on the line, potentially, right? Career, at least. Um, and I, you know, talking to this airman, I've grown to like him. He's a, he's a nice guy. He's, he made a, made a bad call. Um, but, you know, he was, he's, he's a good dude, and I didn't want to let him down, right? Um, part of the theme was, like, airmen helping airmen, airmen standing up for airmen, um, instead of, you know, just, just another jag getting up, doing their job, doing their nine-to-five. You know, this is something different. This is something that people don't normally see. Um, and, and we wanted to – we really wanted to highlight that, that this airman was worth fighting for enough to do something out of the ordinary. Um, and so there was a lot of, you know, a lot of pressure, um, mostly self-imposed. Um, because like you said, man, you know, nobody knew what I was gonna say, except my counsel. I could have started speaking Greek and they would have thought that's what he meant to do, obviously, duh. Um, and, and you get up there and when, when they, when the panel starts to look like they're, paying attention um, and like get into what you're saying, especially after a deer where they're just like stone faced and you have no idea what like they're actually feeling and thinking. Um, it's a, it's a really good feeling to, to feel like you're doing it right. Um, and then on direct, you know, obviously we had prepped for it. We went through the questions. Um, maybe not the smoothest performance I've ever given, but, um, you know, I got the questions out. I got the answers that I wanted. Um, and, you know, it was, it was fine at the end of the day, you know, one day board. Um, but the, the biggest, like, surprise for me, I think, was after um, both sides said their piece and they went to deliberate. As a paralegal, you know, whatever, cool. They're going to go deliberate. I'm going to go do the 900 other things that I have to do today. When you, when you have had that direct interaction and, and you're like, there's a, there's a direct involvement in what's going on. My brain was going a thousand miles a minute again. You know, I was nervous all over again. Oh my God, did they understand what I was saying? Did they really like 
get what I meant here? What if they think it was this other thing? Oh God, no way. This kid's going to go to jail. It's a discharge board, but he's going to jail. And it was, oh, it was awful. It was like three hours. And they came back out and, you know, we stand up and they start reading off, you know, their, their form and, you know, they, they recommended retention. Um, and so they, the legal advisor, you know, closed the proceedings, everything was done. And the kid looked at me, he's like, I don't know what happened. What the hell just happened? I, I have no idea what happened. I'm like, you got retained, man. Like you're, you're staying in the air force. You're not separating. He's, I'll never forget his face. You know, he's just like started to cry. He's like collapsed in, <laughs> into my chest. He's like, Oh dude. It was, it was a really good feeling. It was a really, really good feeling. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's awesome that you got a good result. And yeah. And I think it's, you know, and you said something key there that I think is important. Um, because it kind of puts us in the mindset of the attorneys as well. It kind of makes us, you know, like this is, this must be what the attorneys go through whenever, you know, the members of the judge are out deliberating, right? Like, oh, did I, you know, kind of running through everything back um, in their minds. Like, did I say the right thing? Did they understand what I was trying to say? Did I deliver this point the way that I should have? Um, you know, all of those things start, you know, definitely run into your head but now you can't have a redo right it's not like hey can we yeah. call the members back i need to i want to do my opening again i want to do a reopening it doesn't happen right. like or a real i want to close the close again you can't do that um so yeah uh, and it's like sorry Brim was saying you know i we, we've done public speaking before we all do ftac we do you know maybe you brief als maybe you brief commander's calls whatever and that stuff, it's whatever, you know, you do the 137 brief for attack and you just go through the slides. It's, you know, the material, it's fine, whatever. There's like not real consequences. If you screw up a 137, you know what I mean? Um, even at a commander's call, you could say something stupid to make the commander look bad. And then he doesn't call you back for another commander's call. Okay. Um, but at the, you know, at the board when there's like real tangible consequences, it's, it, 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 the stress is just through the roof, <laughs> especially, especially that waiting period What the attorneys do every time they do a proceeding court board, preliminary hearing, whatever, you know, I, it, it blows my mind how they, they wrap their head around all of these cases at the same time you know, and deal with like the various stages, like one's at a 32, one's getting ready to go to sentencing, you know, it, it's nuts. It's nuts. Right. That definitely, we can get a newfound respect for the attorneys for sure. Cause a lot of them are definitely, I know some attorneys that have, I don't know, eight, nine, 10 cases going on at once. And the moment they're done with one, they have to jump into the others that they don't even have to, you know what I mean? They don't have enough time to process no. what they did, what they said, if, you know, in one, because they already have to jump to the next case. So um, but getting that, um, that perspective and learning about that perspective, or perhaps what they're going through, we can better connect with them and better understand perhaps what their state of mind may be, you know, after a court or something like that. For sure. So as far as your, so your open, I just want to ask about the opening. Did you have a script? So did you have like the full script in front of you when you did your opening and did you follow it to a T or how was that? Did you, did you deviate from it at any point? Did you try to um, 
you know, just go off of your own words? Um, I did have the entire opening in front of me. Um, I knew that that was, it took me a long time to write and it was approved by a bunch of attorneys saying that it's a good opening, so stick mm -hmm. to it. So I didn't read directly off the page. I wanted to have it memorized, but I was too afraid that I'd get up there and have stage fright. So um, knowing the consequences, mm -hmm. if I were to forget something important, even though it's just an opening statement, that is your first chance to open the member's eyes as to what they are truly getting into. And so, um, yeah, I didn't read directly off the paper, but I tried to stick to it as closely as possible. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I mean, that's the same thing. I had it in front of me. I had spent hours trying to craft this just right, thinking about it. Because you get the outline, you're like, what the, what is this even, what is this supposed to be? I, you, know, you forget every opening you've ever heard. You know, you have no idea even how to formulate a speech anymore. It's, it's all down the tubes. Um, so you know, finally got the thing written. And for the most part, I just read it. Um, you, you look up and you make eye contact with the members. So you're not just sitting there reading it like this. And this is the most awkward thing in the world. Thank you for your time, members. Right. Um, but you spitball a little bit. You know, you, you, you see how they're reacting and you, you kind of um, belabor a point. Maybe if it looks like they're not in their head or, you know, you, you omit something like Right. So you're, when you're delivering it, you know, you, you spitball a little bit, but much like, you know, sorry, Brem, I wasn't going to go in there and just, you know, wing it and, and uh, you know, hope for the best or, or try to memorize it. And then you leave out some crucial detail um, because, yeah, it's just an opening, but it's my first opening. And so it's, you know, the most important thing I've ever done up to this point. Right. So I can't possibly mess this up. And now one second yes sir um so what was your result sergeant brand for the discharge um, so he was discharged with a uo um but it was only for the drugs oh okay. they, yeah which is kind of what we expected to happen so it was dual basis for, was it sexual assault? Yes, sexual assault and drugs. And drugs, okay, gotcha. But the drugs were pretty bad. Like he introduced them to a foreign country. Like he brought them over with him in the uh, rotator. Um, he got another airman hooked on drugs while he was here. Um, and that airman ended up getting discharged as well. And yeah, I mean, so, it, wasn't, it wasn't anything like obviously he brought some of the drugs into the country, but after those were gone, then he just started misabusing cough syrup, like triple C, because mm. that's the only thing you can get your hands on over here because okay. Korea is so anti drugs. Yeah, I know. Yeah, the Pacific, what is it, Korea, Japan, they don't know, no way to get any of those things. So did he get court-martialed? No, um, he got an Article 15 for the drugs, mm -hmm. and then um, they were going to court-martial him for the sexual assault, 
and then the victim didn't want to participate anymore. Um, but then they wanted to recommend the UO for a dual basis. And since it's a UO, he was board entitled. Okay. All right. Well, awesome. So, okay, so when do you get your feedback? What happens after the after discharge board, board after you've done, you know, all the things, attorney-like, um, you know, what, what, what happens, what, what happens afterwards? I mean, if you get the outcome that you want, uh, the feedback is pretty good. <laughs> but sure um, afterwards, it's kind of the same as if you're in a court-martial, just as a paralegal. You sit there and talk about the things that you could have done better, the things that you maybe should have said that you didn't say, or maybe the things that you did say that you maybe shouldn't have. Um, just overall what you could have done better because obviously you can't be perfect. Right. Um, just take did you, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Did, did you guys do feedback with the panel and the legal advisor? No, we just did it with the legal advisor. Um, it was the night when the panel made their decision, and so they left. Makes sense. Yeah. Definitely makes sense. Um, yeah, we we didn't you know finish at 9 o'clock at night. We were done. It was dinner time, but they, they hung out to do feedback, and they did um, recorders first, and then, um, you know, we went in, and they were saying, you know, those overall – it was a great job. Um, and that <laughs> they really liked the client. Um, and so they were really looking for, you know, any reason to keep him. Um, and so, you know, they, they latched onto the, the stuff we presented. They're like, yep, no meets. It's good. Absolutely. Um, we recommend retention. The seven criteria are met rock and roll. Keep them. Um, they, uh, it's super funny. There's one panel member, um, a female nurse, I believe, who was just stone-faced the whole time. I had no idea what she was thinking. We, we couldn't figure out if we were going to connect with her or not, you know, because she's medical, you know, is she going to be like super anti-drug use or because she's a mom, is she going to get like the, the new parent thing, the stress from that? We just the whole time deadpan. Um, and then back in the deliberation, we were talking to her and she's like, yeah, no, I was really moved by what you were saying. And I just was like, I was super emotional the whole time. I'm like, man, you have the best poker face I've ever seen in my life. It was nuts. Um, and they were, they were talking about how, um, like our, the two tables, right? The recorder's table was full of stuff, you know, binders and AFIs and evidence and the audience just looked like crap. Um, well, it didn't look like crap. It looked very busy. And um, my attorney, Captain Purdue, is like super fastidious about that kind of thing. You know, everything has its place. I mean, so they made a comment about that. Like, you guys seem way more prepared than the recorders. They used to, they were all over the place. Um, and then they, uh, Captain Purdue was like, yeah, this is the first time he ever, you know, did an opening. And they're like, what? Oh my God, it was amazing. You did such a good job. Um, and yeah, I'm not, I don't want to toot my horn, but like, it was just a good feeling, you know, it was, it was really good to, to feel like 
I don't know that I did what I set out there to do. Um, and, and I made my point well, you know, um, and then the legal advisor was the same thing. Like she, she was like, you ever thought about going to law school? You should go to law school. Um, so it was really cool. It was, it's very rewarding on top of, you know, getting the result that you want. Um, and you know, it, in my situation, keeping a kid, you know, in the air force who deserves to be in the air force. Um, just that positive affirmation, right? You know, that feedback was, was super awesome. Um, and it really solidified my, um, my desire, I think, to go to law school. Um, just everybody involved, you know, the captain for giving me the opportunity. Um, the rest of the office for picking up the slack while I was, you know, doing the stuff at the board. You know, we still got folks coming in. We do like a thousand clients a year um, and they just kept coming. Um, yeah, so Sergeant Bradford and Captain Widener were a huge help with getting that, you know, that result. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it seems like we do pretty well. Just over here, we're two for two, you know, in this yeah. <laughs> Um, So, you know, got, you know, the result that, that you all wanted, which is good. And you bring up a good point, Sergeant Thomas, here that maybe this is something that us as paralegals should be aware of, but it's the little things that court members or just, you know, just members in general get fixated on, like, you know, organization of, uh, you know, of the desk. Or I know that we used to have, when I was a defense paralegal, these, uh, for the, our exhibits, our folders would be like these really nice folders. Um, and they were just much better than the government's folders, but things like that, like matters for whatever reason, you know, they're like, Oh yeah, just because they have nicer stuff or their stuff, their stuff looks nicer. They're better organized or they care about, you know, their case a little bit more than the government, mm. um, which not always, obviously <laughs> it's not true, but it's just how, it's just how the brain works, you know? Yeah. It's not, it's not what, it's not what you know, it's what you can prove, right? <laughs> if we can show, you know, we got the fancy folders and we got the, the, the neat desk, whatever. I mean, we'll take whatever advantage we can get, right? Yeah. But it's definitely also a good, um, you know, if it, since both of you mentioned that you wanted to be attorneys in the future, then this is definitely something, a great experience to have and, you know, to kind of get your foot on the door and see what it's like, see what the feeling is like. Is it something that you, you know, is that truly something that you want to do or is it, you know, whether it is that you want to do trial law or, or, or what else? So, um, so my next question then is going to be, you know, number one, do you recommend other paralegals to have this experience? And number two, what's your advice to them? So absolutely, um, especially if they have the interest of being an attorney. Um, this is absolutely something that they should do. So that way they can get a feel for it before wasting three years of their life at law school to find out that they don't like it. Um, mm -hmm. But if they are terrified of public speaking, um, or anything like that, then probably don't force them to do that. <laughs> it's pretty terrifying. Um, but, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but for anybody 
who does do it, like I said earlier, um, don't put so much pressure on yourself. Um, yes, you are either the only hope for that airman or the only hope against that airman. Um, so don't try not to let that weigh on you as much and just go in there and relax because your best product is going to come out when you are relaxed. Um, keep in mind that nobody else knows what you are about to say. Um, the members have zero idea of what is going on. So unless they've been on every court martial, like every discharge board beyond the moon, um, they have no idea what's going on either. So relax, don't put so much pressure on yourself. Good. Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think every paralegal should do this um, or, or something similar. Um, you make a great point about the public speaking piece. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely don't throw, um, you know, like a terminal introvert into the courtroom um, and try to make them do the dance. But um, there's so much more that we are capable of doing as paralegals. I can't stand this, this preconceived notion that I see in some parts of the JAG Corps that we're gophers and copy monkeys. Like, go put the sentencing package together, you know, take the first, you know, look at the LOR response. Like, I, I hate past the bar, but I know a little bit. Um, you know, I can, I, I, we can be more than that. So when opportunities like this arise, um, even if you don't seek them out, you know, I, I won't, you know, go that far and just seek change, whatever. But like when you get the opportunity to do something, capitalize on it. Um, not only does it drastically change your point of view and, and the paradigm of how you, how you prep for these things, but it, there's so much opportunity for, for professional and personal growth um, doing something like this. You know, it's, it's difficult. It's scary. It's very stressful. I didn't eat for a week. You know, it, it was just, it, it was awful. But that discomfort that you feel when you're doing something is called growth. Um, and, you know, I am, am better for the experience. I think Sergeant Brem would agree. Um, you know, it, it, I would do it again in a heartbeat. Um, nervous though I was, uh, sleep deprived though I was, I would a hundred percent do it again. That's right. No, that's great. That's really good feedback. And there's a lot of things that I can, that I took away from that. Um, number one is that we have so much more to offer, right, as paralegals. And that is so true, you know, whether it is um, providing some advice or just providing our input to the attorneys on any given case. Sometimes we just, you know, we're just waiting for people to tell us what to do or what, you know, like what's the next step or, you know, hey, what's the decision going to be? And not that we're decision makers, but we definitely have our own line of thinking and our own opinion on any given case that we can share uh, with the attorneys and also anticipate what the next step is going to be. Um, 
and the other task that we can that make us grow like the proof analysis to me is one of the things that we as paralegals can do very well because it definitely challenges to think outside the box um, to anticipate what is going to be a defense you know like a potential defense to any given element right like we can do those things and the more that we do those things the more familiar we're going to be with the overall UCMJ with the, you know, military rules of evidence with the rules for court martial, like, because I think most paralegals, they hear RCMs or MREs and we're like, what? You know what I mean? Like, what's that? We, we, you know, but if we do these things, then we are just becoming overall better paralegals and overall better thinkers. Because I think we're used to, and depending on where we go to school, not, saying that you know our school system <laughs> not trying to get into it but we're not really challenged i don't think to think like we're just told what to think we don't really you know necessarily teach us how to think but this is an opportunity for us to like you said step outside our comfort zone and think for ourselves um and the public speaking i think if you're you know if you're an introvert this is perfect because again you're this you're doing something that is taking you outside your comfort zone like you know and for instance i'm just putting myself out there but like being an als instructor um, and i consider myself an introvert but i knew that i was lacking in that area so you know you just gotta sometimes you just gotta give yourself that challenge uh, because like you said sergeant thomas that's how you grow is by stepping outside that comfort zone definitely well, awesome. Any, any other um, information that you like to say or something that, you know, you haven't said about your experience um, as second chair or as uh, assistant recorder respondent? It's not as much different as you think it might be. Sitting there watching them, um, you kind of know what to expect. It's just getting out of your own head. Because, yeah. um, I mean, as paralegals, we're sitting there paying attention to the members anyway, like writing down um, anything useful for the attorneys, like whether um, a member makes a face at something, um, anything useful that the attorneys could use and should address. Um, it's different when you're sitting at the table trying to pay attention to that as well, because you are trying to pay attention to not only what you're doing, but everything else in the room at the same time, which makes it a little bit more stressful as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, you just got to go up there and you need to trust your counsel 100% and trust that they'll have your back because I mean, I really hope that they would. It didn't, but um, yeah. Yeah, no, that's a really good point, Sergeant Bremen, especially when, when it comes to Wardir, because like you said, the attorneys are just paying attention. They're going to be nervous as well, right? So they're dealing with nerves. They're worried about what, what they're supposed to ask, what they're supposed to say. So they're going to miss a lot of those, um, you know, whatever cues that the members may may offer where you can make a decision as to how to challenge them. Um but we're sitting in the gallery and we're offering, you know, and we're paying attention. We're not dealing with the nerves that they're dealing with. We're not dealing with, you know, a, what, what's the next question going to be. So we're definitely more, um, more helpful when it comes to providing information. Um, 
with Bordier. And doing this experience um, kind of showed me how important us as paralegals are sitting um, just back in the audience, paying attention to everything that the attorneys can't pay attention to because you are so uh, focused on what is in front of you that you lose sight of everything else around you. Um, so being that paralegal that sits there and pays attention, extra attention to what um, a witness might say or um, paying attention to the members while a witness is talking, paying attention to how the accused um, reacts to what a witness might be saying or if the victim is on the stand talking, so on and so forth, um, giving that input or even if you notice something in the evidence a little bit different than the attorneys do, it is so important to bring that up because it could be a game changer for how um, you address the next portion of um, the questioning or closing or so on and so forth. Absolutely, yeah, that's really good feedback. Definitely. Um, <clears throat> with with the process like this, going through the board, um, it has it, it. I think that it can it can help kind of close the gap between paralegal and attorney. Paralegals, you know, for all intents and purposes, we're legal professionals, but we're we're lay people, right? We didn't go through the fancy, you know law school, we don't have the, the big degree in Latin on the wall. Um, we don't have the benefit of that formal training. Um, and neither do these panel members. You know, they're like a medical officer or a maintainer or, you know, a cop or whatever they are. But they don't think the same way that the attorneys do. Um, and your, your paralegals are, are kind of an in-between um, but I've got a super good idea how a lay person thinks having been a lay person for most of my life, the, how the attorney thinks is going to be different and to kind of like wrap their head around what the panel is thinking is an invaluable part of what we do, right? We give that kind of lay perspective and to do the discharge board, you get more of an eye opening experience into what the attorney is doing and thinking. So you can bring that to the table and be like, Look, I know where you're going, ma'am, but they don't know where you're going. So maybe what about this, that, and the other? Um, and it goes to what you said, ma'am. You know, it, it'll it'll frame how you do more gear. It'll frame how you answer uh, or uh, do direct or cross or, um, you know, how you're going to object to something based on whatever, right? Um, and going back to what you said, sir, where – a lot of paralegals might hear like, well, that's 412 evidence or, you know, well, 307 applies. And well, what about the, the you know, 6B rights, whatever. Um, and just it's alphabet soup. You know, you just, uh, I, I, I know I'm like that. Um, like I got to crack open the MCM and figure out you know, what the hell anybody's talking about. But doing stuff like this helps you to, like I said, think more like an attorney and, and, and understand those references and what they mean. And it's, it's almost like speaking another language when the attorneys start talking amongst themselves, doing theme and theory and, you know, case prep. Um, but to be able to be a part of that and just be another, you know, ear in the room or another, um, you know, another point of view is it's only going to benefit the case. Mm. Um, I, I can't think of 
one negative impact of having a well-informed and well-trained paralegal offering advice and offering, you know, their thoughts. Right. Yeah, no, I think that just like you said, I think this experience not only makes ourselves better, but it makes the whole office better. The whole Jack Corp better, right? Because now you have more people, you know, who are capable of doing different things, who can connect with, you know, across all the different uh, components of the Air Force, right? So, you know, enlisted connecting with officers, and we already connect pretty well with, you know, with most civilians. Um, so, yeah, I, I think this experience is just, if you have the opportunity, you know, take advantage of it. Because um, it's definitely value added for sure. Well, Sergeant Brim, Sergeant Thomas, um, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Um, really, I really do appreciate it. I know it took some time for us to all get in sync um, just because of, you know, the, the, um, the time differences. But I do appreciate you taking the time and for us to discuss and talk about your experience um, in the discharge board talking to us yeah absolutely thanks for <laughs> thanks for giving us the opportunity um yeah i definitely appreciate um yeah, you and sergeant quinto reaching out um and, and proposing the idea so thank you absolutely what's the plan for the weekend what, what are you guys up to working working this, this weekend sergeant thomas always board court coming up yep Nice. Well, not nice, but well. <laughs> I'm sure I'll get a little me time in there somewhere. I'll you know play video games or you know maybe walk around my village uh, you know, as long as that's still allowed. Um, that's yeah, right. you live you live off base. Do yeah yeah live in um, here in Germany. There's it's not like in the states where there's like the city and then like the rings of suburbs. It's there's like a like a small city around here, Kaiserslautern, and there's like little villages kind of like dotting the surrounding hills. It's super picturesque and cute. Um, and yeah, I live in a little village. <laughs> All right, that's nice. How about you, you Sergeant Brim? So you live uh, on base, right? Yes. Uh, I literally came at the worst possible time because after me, all NCOs got pushed off base. Um, oh. So I'm here in the dorms with all the airmen, and yeah, so that was fun. But um, they have CE is having a haunted house this weekend, so um, me and some coworkers are gonna go try that out. Um, they're having a bowling special. Um, so we're gonna try and do that and then just hang out, watch Focus Focus. You know, it's Halloween, that's a month. Nice, yes. That's right. So question, Nightmare Before Christmas, is that Halloween or Christmas movie? I'm, I'm conflicted. That's a Christmas movie. That's a Christmas movie. It ain't no Halloween movie. It's a Christmas movie with a skeleton in it. That's it. Well, the main song is This Is Halloween. It's not this is Christmas, you know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know. We always watch it at Christmas. Regardless of your um, your input, I will be watching that for Halloween. Very well, sir. It's 
see, but that's the beauty of the movie. It's so good that you can watch it for two holidays. That's right. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. It, uh, yeah, there's not that many movies that are like that, that are interchangeable and you can convert them into Halloween and Christmas movies. Two of the best holidays in one movie. That's right. There you go. Yeah, that's why it's so good. So. <laughs> awesome. Well, you guys have a great weekend. Sergeant Thomas, don't work too hard. <laughs> so, sir, you have a good night. Thank you. You as well. And sir, you have off today, don't you? Um, kind of semi. Right. So they gave it's a wing down day. Um, yes, it is. However, I'm still working. Yeah. Well, don't work too hard. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Maybe not as hard as Sergeant Thomas, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Take care.